clapping around. God, I'm sick welcome. of saying welcome. Welcome. Okay, let's come up with a new thing then. What do you want to say? Hmm. Here we are. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Hello. I don't know. Here we are. Hello. Time slows down. How are you today? I'm good. I'm exhausted, but that seems to be how it always is now. Yeah, so. I think that that's pretty standard for you lately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't talk to you much during the week. Not even like in person like that. Uh, you get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I talk to you a bunch Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yep. So I always am like catching you on this tail end of just insanity and you can finally sleep a little bit, but not quite yet. Yeah. It's usually like Sunday night when I'm going to catch up on sleep. <laughs> and catching up on sleep's not real. We both know it. Yeah. I mean, you're not paying off the debt, but at least you're getting a solid eight hours. Yeah. You know? So how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, last night's session was fun. Uh, Super fun. Got some good sleep. You know, sleep. It's, uh, it's good. Been just, you know, studying all morning, studying, researching all morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's been nice, so. Yes. Yeah, what do we, uh, do you have anything cool that's uh, not topic related to tell us about today? Um, Just, I can't really talk about it, but hmm. stuff I was telling you about my Monday campaign, some breakthroughs I had as far oh. as, because the battle for Baldur's Gate is coming up. Right. And I don't know how it's going to go because I don't know what the players are going to do with the current situation right, right now. So, yeah, not really. I mean, it's just, you know, lots of work. So Yeah. I, uh, I'll i mention this a little bit uh, mm-hmm. just because it already happened, so it doesn't matter if I say this. But in my campaign that we played yesterday, I, as you guys were getting closer to Barum, mm-hmm. I really, really, really wanted you to be there when the bombs went off because I right. really wanted to kill one of you in the explosion. Right. right. I was like, they're going to be investigating it, and I'm going to fucking kill one of them it's gonna be great well there's still time not to do that part because the bombs went off so but two of the party members aren't with us <laughs> the bathhouse exploded oh no <laughs> oh Fuck. man it was uh it was fun though. it was a good time it was a good session i was uh I, I love seeing two characters i love seeing two characters specifically kind of argue a bunch and then the other two characters are like really sitting into the sister role. So funny. For sure. I love seeing Vash argue with Ra. Oh my God. So fucking funny. So ridiculous, dude. I really liked all the downtime stuff. Like that was super fun. Once we got to, because we got to the city, we got to Barroom. Like there was just a bunch of stuff to do at the inn. Mm-hmm. What was it called? The Red Suite? Yeah, the Red Suite. It was a, it's a gambling den. Yeah. So I really liked that. That was a lot of fun. Nice. I I really uh, for listeners. I when I planned that city, I, there's I planned on. I was like, I don't know if they'll actually do anything, but I want to make like a little gambling area that they could stop and get into it because I had just seen some. Uh, they were playing rollies on Critical Role when I was yep. creating it, mm-hmm. and I was like, I really love that idea. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put that in my game and see if. Uh, my players interact with something like that see what they do yeah so here's a question since you brought up rollies what do you think rollies is because they haven't really officially man 
talked about what it is. It seems like it's just they're rolling a naked D20 and whoever gets the higher roll wins. That's what it always seems like to me, but I right. went and I looked up rules, like how people seem to be interpreting the rules. Mm-hmm. And it does definitely seem that there's more going on with based on the bet and uh, how high, how much higher you are above their number or below mm-hmm. the number. Like it really depends on the difference between the two numbers. So there's like a target number that they're trying to hit and whoever is closest. Well, I think it's more like whoever, like when you roll, like if you rolled a 14 mm-hmm. and I rolled an 18, I think the win based on my 18 actually changes how much I win from the pot Okay. based on how much higher my number is. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, again, I've only read through the rules kind of once and they're not the official. They haven't released them yet. Right. And cause they know everybody wants that. They're like, their mom, give it to us. And they're like, <laughs> no, which is totally smart. Totally smart. Cause you could sell that to them. Well, and Mercer, the first time they, showcased it i think it was like episode two of the new season Mm -hmm. um they talked about at some point they're going to actually release like an official rollies oh that'll be i would totally play that game yeah so then yeah that's you know just fun little things to include in your campaign a little offshoot before you on our little introduction everybody how do you like that the not welcome Hello, not welcome in. <laughs> welcome to our I mean, space. Hello, uh, hello. We don't have an intro yet. Stupid. Uh, what? What? I'm not stupid. Oh. So, what do we got on the agenda today, there, brother? Well, if you've been listening, you heard us talk a little bit about min maxing, mm-hmm. and I think that we are going to talk about min maxing today, which I. I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. A lot of people may not know what min-maxing is, so there's a few different words we can use to define that. Some people would say power gaming. Yep. Uh, what's another word you would try and use, Eric? Uh, I don't know if I'd use this because this is not my area of expertise, mm-hmm. but I've heard optimization used a lot. That's Yeah, that's mentioned a lot for sure. That seems seems more positive yeah. when you use that word than min-maxing is a little derogatory. Yeah, it always seems to be that negative connotation. You're just a min-maxer. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm whoa. down. We don't use that language. <laughs> well, because that definitely, I mean, according to what I see on the internet and what I've kind of understood of it as I've mm-hmm. delved into it, there is definitely a stigma. Mm-hmm. Uh, to doing that kind of thing in your game. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that there's room like for min-maxing, optimization, and still role-playing very well, still doing something that uh, is going to fit in the campaign. Right. You know, that's what I'd like to talk about is the whole idea of this. Yeah. And what it means, maybe build some characters, talk about some builds. Sure. Talk about, you know, if you are somebody that's into power gaming or optimization... How to like really still be able to do that and include that in a campaign that you're playing and not make it a negative experience for yourself or the DM or anybody really. That's what we're going to talk about or I'm going to talk about with you. Yeah. One of the things I've read and it makes sense is that the negative side of it is somebody min-maxing in a party of like maybe casual gamers where like everyone's like yeah i made my my elf wizard and then you come in with some crazy asshole who makes like the craziest most powerful character so they're just killing all the monsters or something right so that and also a dm who doesn't know how to challenge that player i can see those being a problem but again i think it's 
communicating. Right. Oh, it's for sure. It's always just talking about it and saying, here's what we want to do. Okay, well, let's make sure that works, you know. Uh, let's start out with some, I'd say, some terms that we may use. We may not use them, but they're good terms to cool. to be aware of when you're stepping into the the realm of power gaming or optimization. I'm not gonna. I think I'm gonna just switch and say optimization, optimizing, because cool. I like that one. Seems more blankety, mm-hmm. like it's more general. For right, sure. and it's it's really more how I'm looking at it. Like I'm not trying to right. min max. I'm trying to optimize my character for what they're doing. Yeah. who they are, yeah. what they are. Um, yeah. So you, let's, I know that you've got some terms that I'm not familiar with, so let's pop one of yours up real quick. Sure. So why don't we recap, and why don't you recap us on mad and sad? Oh, yeah, I can do that for you. Let's start there. I like that. Yeah. So what mad and sad would be are mad would be uh, characters that are multiple ability score dependent. They just kind of eliminate the S from that. So Mm -hmm. M-A-D, multiple ability dependent. So if you do someone that uses, if you have like a a rogue and fighter, that would be an example of a a mad type character, one that uses strength and dexterity Mm -hmm. uh, to achieve what they're trying to do. And so a lot of uh, optimizing, excuse me, you're not excused. Um, You're not excused. Is there a lot of optimization is really going to be more based on sad characters, mm-hmm. which I think is funny to say. I know. Um, which is a single at ability score dependent. Now you get a lot of really cool stuff with the the, the multiple ones. A lot of utility mm-hmm. um, with the sad character. You definitely get something that's very specific. It's good right. at this. It's one thing mm-hmm. for sure. I also read it as single attribute dependent. That would work too. So ability attribute. Yeah. So same difference though. Right. It's interesting. And I think this again shows why people kind of don't, let's say optimization doesn't present itself very well is that I read a lot of stuff online of people saying, don't build a mad character, mm. only go for the sad. Right. So kind of this idea of focusing on like putting everything into that one stat and cranking it to 11. Right. And that that definitely is what I've done in the past mm-hmm. specifically um, is really try to create a sad character. Right. Now, mad can be like things I've experienced. Mad can be very, very cool, very utility. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to suffer a little bit in end game. Just at the very end, if you like take your character's super high level, right. they're just you're just gonna you you take little hits basically to your character sheet if you're mad. But mm-hmm. a sad character uh, doesn't. So it really depends, you know, on what you're going for, which we'll definitely get into more. The lesson is it's better to be sad than mad. It's better. <laughs> Well, I think that sadness turns into madness eventually. No, no, it turns into rage. You skip true. straight. Just straight rage. Rage. And then you become a barbarian somehow. So, yeah, so be careful out there. Yeah. So I noticed that um, there's kind of a sublingo in the optimization community, is what we'll call it. So there's these other terms and acronyms that... Uh, people use and I was like what what is that wait what is that so there's all these terms that that tend to pop up the first one is gish nice and that is one that I'd heard before 
And you actually told me about that earlier. What does that mean? Yeah. So Gish is a character that has martial ability, so typically melee, so they can swing a sword, they can shoot a crossbow, and they also have magical abilities, so they could shoot a firebolt or cast Eldritch Blast or Mm -hmm. whatever their forte is. So they're good at both, and most likely, if your Gish is a multi-class, they're probably going to be mad. Yeah. Probably. Probably. It's going to be really hard to do a sad um, character, but we'll get there. And then there's other terms which have to do with uh, I guess min-maxers really like certain feats that mm-hmm. help you, and a lot of this, again, is combat-oriented. Right. So there was three that I encountered a whole bunch, which is GWM, which is Great Weapon Mastery, SS, which is unfortunate, which stands for Sharpshooter in this case, and then PAM, which is Polearm Mastery. Oh, nice. Those are three fantastic feats, yeah. too. So I guess those are kind of the three that people really like right. in this community. Sharpshooter is one that I gave to uh, Grom in the campaign. Okay, nice. Uh, oh, yeah, is, he used it. Yeah, it night. can be awesome. Yeah. Um, and then there's another term, which is actually it's one of the uh, source books, which is SCAG. S-C-A-G, which stands for Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. And I have it, but I haven't read through it much. But apparently there are some feats in there that uh, optimizers like as well. Mm. So that's all the specific multi-classing optimization terms I ran into. Nice. Right there. So I think those are some good ones. Um, Oh, I want to punch myself right now. (laughs) Why is that? Because that... That um was so big and so blatant that it. I, well, I just want to die right now. Well, now I want to leave it in. I usually but you got to leave out. it in. I usually cut them out, but I'll leave that one yeah, in. Yeah, I got to leave that one in because it was bad. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to leave it in. As an aside, we both do that where we'll be like, talk, talk, talk. Um, oh, man. Silence. It's, right. it's, it's a rough thing. It is. To be talking with your friend of 20 plus years and have to direct your verbiage to not go um, and make a bunch of crazy sounds as you talk to him. So it's, it's better than what I do, which is say like every other word, like and like and going like this and, you know, like this and like, you know, yeah, you know, you know, yeah. Oh, man, and I just go funny. punch myself in the face multiple times until I forget that word. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure if I edited the podcast, like my language be would change angry. drastically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you just notice everything. Yeah. You you would be conscious of it all the time. And yeah. you have to like, okay, let's listen to that clip again for the 20th time. Oh, that's um, so fun. Murder. Uh, sorry about that, people. We're we're back on schedule here. Um, we're not we're not sorry. I'm not. Not at all. We're not. It's funny not to me. Sorry, though. Yeah. So I think what I'd like to talk about right now, maybe you feel the same is and again this i feel like the 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 key phrase or the key thing that we always talk about when it comes to this stuff is communication Mm -hmm. like communicating with your your fellow players or your dm or whoever it is whatever having a dialogue with everybody makes a lot of these problems i'm air quoting Mm -hmm. uh kind of become not problems they're a lot easier and I'll bet you could apply that to life too somehow. Um, For sure. There it was. 
So, um, um, this, this should be the name of the episode. Um, <laughs> don't threaten me. I'll do it. Um, multi-classic. That'll be it. Just, um, multi-classic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I want to talk about communicating with your, your players to make optimization, not a thing. Like if you're, you're about to create your character and you're somebody that loves optimization, you know, get with your GM or get with some of your players, see what kind of campaign you're going to be playing. Is it, right? are you going to be doing combat heavy? Are you going to be doing a lot of role playing? Is it, you know, modern, not modern, but, uh, is it Gothic horror? Is it ultra high fantasy? Find out what's, what's happening mm-hmm. so that you can optimize how you would want to, that would still fit within the game that still fits in there. And then if, Oh, I've got these friends, this guy wants to play a support character. Okay. That will leave. Okay. What else? What are you, what are you playing? Oh, this person wants to play another type of support character. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And then you may find out that most players are going to be doing something that's uh, more utility. Right. They're not really going to be someone that does damage. So you'd be like, Oh, I can optimize in as a very powerful like fighter or something Mm -hmm. you can optimize based on what you know of the game that oh that might really work or maybe you'll want to be some crazy spellcaster because you have so much support behind you you can really sit on that and you'll have the support you need in the background right to be that you can just be a full-on glass cannon right especially if you know oh i know that this person's gonna play a holy cleric and i know this person over here is gonna play a bard I will have the support I need to really not even focus on anything that is other mm-hmm. than damage. Right. Or, you know, something else. I'm just using that as a way of optimization. Yeah. I uh, I read a really interesting point on Reddit while I was doing my research, What which was D&D is kind of designed for optimizing. It's assumed you're gonna, going to, you don't have to, but pick a... If you pick a character that has high charisma, you're probably going to pick a class that utilizes that high charisma. So to some point, most of us are optimizing in some fashion all the time. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily if you don't know anything about the game. You're just going to do whatever. Like I I think about my first character, Pock, like he was not optimized at all. It was like a combo that you wouldn't want to do for you know optimizing but it was still a great character oh it's a fantastic character and he ended up being pretty optimized in the super powerful because then i would bump up his i started putting asi ability score increase into charisma Mm -hmm. which was his spell stat right and he started getting stronger and stronger and he was a yeah he was just a sorcerer right just a wild magic sorcerer just a sorcerer and he had it was actually good he was less glass cannony and all let me explain that a glass cannon is basically a spellcaster who can do a ton of damage but as soon as you hit them they shatter so they're very fragile to melee attacks yeah but him being a half orc he had like half orc ferocity so if he went down he would actually just go to one hit point instead of going unconscious Mm. or he had he had a better constitution so that actually works for the long run where having a caster who's tougher isn't a bad thing. Oh, not at all. If you're going to play for a while, you know? Right. So I think there's something to be said about it's okay to be mad, quote unquote, right? 
Oh, yeah. And just like you're saying, that's, again, we're delving into that idea of knowing what game you're about to play. Like, Mm -hmm. understanding. Obviously, Eric didn't know at the time, but we, as we learned, we started trying to, you know, make our characters optimal during the process. Fit it to the game, too. Mm -hmm. Optimize for that setting. That was It was great. I really loved... Pac, honestly. Luthien and Pac were great characters, especially in the beginning. They were mm-hmm. wild. They really leaned into like their weirdness at first. For sure. But going back to the optimizing, if you're just a single class, you can optimize pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, because you just have usually one stat that you have to worry about. So optimization in a single class character is pretty easy. Right. Uh, you may spread your kind of how you level up across a little bit more because you're not aware you're not trying to optimize like that but it's pretty easy to optimize as a single class Mm -hmm. Uh, when you start multi-classing though that's when a lot of this stuff really optimizing your builds creating builds seeing other builds that's when a lot of that comes into play and some builds as we are talking about some builds don't really come to be very powerful until high levels Mm -hmm. so yeah that's I mean again Communicating with your team, with your group, will really help the idea of optimization or min-maxing. You, we can really stop that negative kind of connotation with it. Because you can you can definitely, like, if you lean into a single attribute character, well, lean into what that would be. You can create a role play for exactly that. Mm-hmm. would not be a hard thing to do to, like, say to yourself, oh, you know, a fighter artificer, for example. You could easily find a way to have a fighter that wants to just tinker you know right and that seems like a really fun build too. right especially if you're i guess artificers can use their intelligence mm-hmm. as their spell modifier casting. as their as their attack though mm-hmm. too i think and so you could do some interesting stuff in there i think right and that that comes with when you're like what you're saying so if you know from the beginning that you're gonna optimize and you're gonna multi-class as well Mm-hmm. You'll you're, you'll change your like dump stat as a fighter, and be like, oh, I will change my dump stat to this, and you'll start beefing up intelligence harder than you normally would because, in a few like levels, you're gonna be able to change your attack damage from your strength based to your intelligence based. Right, which is super counterintuitive mm-hmm. if you're used to what fighters do. They're yeah, almost absolutely. always strength-based. Maybe dex sometimes. Right, and I was going to say that a dex fighter is actually really interesting. Yeah. They they can be really unique mm-hmm. uh, in how they approach everything. It's fun. Uh, I'd love to do like a swashbuckler fighter sometime. That'd be cool. Uh, Grom is a dex-based fighter. Nice. And for our listeners, who is Grom? Grom is our buddy Harley. He's one of our characters in my Forged campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made him a gunslinger from D&D Beyond, the critical role gunslinger. I think he was in season one. I think it's in Wildmount too, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think they include it in Wildmount. Um, but that was where I got that from. And I created this dex fighter because it is a fighter subclass, the gunslinger. Mm-hmm. And it's a dex-based uh, style character because he uses guns for ranged attacks. Mm-hmm. So I created a really fun dex fighter that is also kind of a 
tinkering kind of character as well. So mm-hmm. Harley really seems to be enjoying the character. He's been a riot in it. So mm-hmm. seems fun. And the dex-based fighter, really interesting. You can do a lot of things with it. It's fun to to see those types of optimization that are not normal for the character. Right, for sure. Hi, Hakure. Yo, Hakure? Hi, Hakure. Wow. Um, so... I know we're about to actually jump into a build. Oh yeah, we I thought it'd be that. fun to. There's a couple of other terms that come out as if you do any research, and they always seem purgative or derogatory. And I wanted to ask you about this first one because it seems more like a like MMO term, mm-hmm. but it's starting to bleed into TTRPGs, which is GIMP. GIMP is one that I've never heard, honestly. Oh, you haven't? Mm-mm. So people seem to use it. In the same way they use nerf like a gimp is a really weak character or like way lower than the rest of the party oh, okay. or it might be if you gimp like your rifle like your dm i read this one story on reddit where some player get uh, his dm gave him a really powerful rifle so he intentionally gimped the rifle to make it weaker because he felt like it was op Oh, okay. So I thought that was an interesting one because I haven't heard as much. That is an interesting way to say that. Nerf is something, just like we said earlier, nerf is what I would know that same term as. Yeah, yeah. But you wouldn't necessarily use it as a a proper noun or a noun like, oh, that guy's a nerf. Right, exactly. Yeah. Wouldn't. So different flavor. Um, Munchkin is one that comes up a lot too. Don't know that one either. This one I've heard a bunch, but it's hard to define. So it's... The, the simplest term or definition I found was somebody who tries to win at D&D. So it's like a really nasty power gamer. So they're the one always, they're trying to get the most kills. So you think of Gimli, if Gimli were a player in right. a D&D campaign. So how he's keeping track of his kills. <laughs> and it they seem like a nightmare to play with, like a, a real munchkin. And then this is one we both heard and use all the time, which is murder hobo. Oh, yeah. Murder hobo is huge in the community. Which basically means you kill everything and you take their shit. And you're you're like a vagrant. You wander around and have no permanent place. You you kill NPCs. You kill everything. You just kill kill people. Whatever. Yeah. Everything you see. Can I kill it? Okay. Kill it. That's what we're going to do. Yep. And we've. You know, everyone that plays has their moment in time with murder hoboing. It's pretty... You, you'll you always dance with that type of moment at some point in your D&D campaign. You'll be like, let's kill that guy. Everyone's like, okay. All right. It seems like sometimes you might not start the session out intending to do that, but then like an NPC will piss your character off. And yeah. then next thing you know, you're like bathed in their blood and you're like, well, we might as well take their stuff now, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, for are sure. Are we murder hobos right now? Yep. Yep. We are. So those are all the terms I had. Those are great terms. I feel that, uh, especially murder hobo, I think is one that we've probably said maybe even on here and never yeah. defined for never anybody. Never talked about it. It is sure. something that we say a lot. A lot. Definitely. Uh, maybe not on the podcast, but in life. Well, definitely in Conan, especially. Oh yeah, dude! In Conan, There's that been is a lot of murder hoboing going on. You always be murdering hobos. Murdering hobos. Murder hoboing. How do you? Both. 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 So let's yeah let's let's jump in and let's let's we're gonna just kind of like really run over 
maybe some builds that are fun just to give you an idea of what optimizing kind of looks like when you're creating a character now most of these characters I'm not these are just generic builds I think there's a term where people call it white room white room I've heard treadmill builds too right or things that you can build all of this stuff and it's cool but you really aren't going to know if it's uh if it's good for the campaign right because it'll it just exists in this place where it's there's nothing blank space almost like in the matrix the where they load in like in that room in that area it doesn't mean anything until you take it into the world it's funny that that's a term you've encountered because writers use that right uh white room syndrome to define like when there's a lot of dialogue in a scene Mm. but they're not describing what the environment is so the reader can't picture what's going on there's no context for what what's happening which seems similar different different objectives right but a similar thing like yeah you have this thing but it's isolated right we don't know how it works in the environment you know exactly so these are definitely going to be white room builds they're not meant to be anything other than here's one way you can do this so for example i'm going to build us up a a sorcerer paladin cool so the first thing that we would want to discuss about that is Sorcerer Paladin. What's the main attribute for a sorcerer? Well, their casting mm-hmm. is charisma based. Right. So their spell casting ability is going to be based on charisma. Mm-hmm. So then we look at the Paladin. What is his main stat? It's also charisma. Charisma. He can use his charisma as his attack modifier, as his attack. He can use it as a damage increase on some things. So right off the bat, we're looking at somebody who's charisma based. Mm-hmm. The best race i know of for a charisma based build would be a half elf let's talk about why so this is just based on how they have it kind of written in D right now half elf gets a plus two to its charisma but then it also gets to increase another ability score by one that's not charisma it's actually two yeah well, yeah sorry it's two usually most races get three points so the half elf gets four which is super crazy it's really crazy uh so what i would my brain thinks of you know what well a throw one in constitution because you can always use more hit points Mm -hmm. Uh, my other thing that i would throw it in and this would be based on whatever is i put it in dexterity because i feel that more often i do dexterity checks Mm-hmm. rather than strength checks. So And depending upon what you your initial dex score is, it could also raise your AC, your initiative, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff. Exactly. So those are two that I'm like, "Yeah, that seems easy. Put them in that." Cool. Um when it comes to like your proficiencies and stuff like that, uh for a character like this, my gut would be like, "Okay, uh let's do persuasion, it's charisma based. What else?" Uh Deception, charisma-based. Those are going to be two things I know he's going to be great at that. Right. Uh, none of this other stuff matters right now for what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So we're choosing the class. So right now I'm just going to choose the Paladin because we're doing a multi-class. Actually, let's do Sorcerer as the base class. I like that. Sorcerer is the base. So again, you get to pick some more proficiencies. Just make sure don't double up on them. It's really all there is to it when you're optimizing. This is a This would be a good point, too, that if you're looking to optimize and role play make your maybe don't maybe pick your proficiency based on what you think this character would be like what do they actually what are they into and if 
if it's a sorcerer and you're going to move into paladin, maybe they were sorcerers are naturally gifted at magic. Maybe they grew up in some kind of convent or monastery, or you could take the acolyte background, those kind of things for RP, you know. Exactly. And now it says, uh, choose a sorceress origin. Now, this would be something that we could pine over uh, to try and optimize this character. I don't really want to, like, delve too hardcore into that because there's a lot of stuff we could talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm just going to do something that I think would be fun. I liked it, uh, and Eric will probably agree with me, wild magic. Oh, yeah, baby. So much fun. Super fun. Uh, it creates a lot of chaos, and it's fun. It's, it really does create something. Click standard array. Uh, so right off the bat, we're going to pick our stats. So charisma, 15. Boom. Starting that. Constitution. I usually will keep constitution high, so I'm going to go 14 on con. Uh, my next thought would be my dex. Uh, strength will be my lowest. I'm going to dump stat that. So strength is dump stat? Mm-hmm. Which seems... That's really weird, Ian. Why would you do that with right. a paladin, like someone that's going to be a fighter? Well, mm-hmm. I know about these characters, and charisma is going to be what I attack with. So strength won't matter to me. Gotcha. Uh, intelligence and wisdom are my other two, like my last two that I have. Mm-hmm. I like wisdom. I don't like intelligence. Right. Intelligence doesn't really ever amount to much if I'm, again, optimizing here. Right, just looking at the numbers and this specific build. And due to what Eric was saying, we're going to go ahead and we're going to pick the Acolyte background. Cool. Solid. It adds to the role play. Mm-hmm. And I think in a white room, it's a... It's fine. That's a good one to just take. We're not worried about that. Not worried about that. We're not worried about it, folks. Not Don't worry about you it. worry about it, because we're not worried about it. You know, you pick all your spells. It's fun. It's fun. I have a question. Do the spells that you pick have anything to do with your optimizing? Or is it just kind of depend upon what role you're going to fill in the party? That would that would be 100% right there. That would be how you would want to look at it. What, okay. what role are you trying to fulfill in the party? Now, if we're white room optimizing, this will be uh, someone that's going to be a damage monster. Anything that you can give yourself that's going to give you advantage as a cantrip or a damaging cantrip, anything that enhances your damage output is what you're going to pick. Gotcha. But you're also going to keep in mind that you, you'll you be able to use these spell slots to burn for Divine Smites. Oh, yeah. Because you are a melee class as well. So it really it's kind of a double-edged moment right here where you're not really mad about it. Like mad is in... I ain't mad about it. You ain't mad. It's still going to be sad. You're just choosing how you're going to optimize. And this is, again, one of those moments as an optimizer, it's a good idea to pick things that are going to go along with kind of the what you're doing, right. like the character. Like, And for those who don't know, I believe paladins are considered a quarter caster, so they have some spell ability already. Mm-hmm. Not tons, but, exactly. but they have a little bit already baked into the class, so we're kind of expanding on that mm-hmm. ability, which is kind of crazy because Divine Smite is, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of their main deal as a paladin. Right. That's where you do big damage, so if you have tons more spell slots to burn, the... Uh, damage output can get really high which again is what we're all about today oh yeah oh baby so what i'm doing right now is i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna i'm gonna level up we're just i'm gonna make a level 12 
character. Sweet. Now, when you're optimizing, if you're going to start at level one, just keep this in mind. Your ultimate power isn't going to be revealed until you're much higher level. So it's going to be a rough time uh, playing the character as you level up. You, you have to have a plan in place. Like, when am I going to take a level in Paladin? When do I switch over? Exactly. Now, once you hit this level in Sorcerer, when do you take the Paladin? And, mm-hmm. You know, if you're in an optimization type game, no one's going to question you on why you're doing that. Because it's going to be like, oh, cool. And you'll be like, oh, I'm I'm a paladin now. People are going to be like, cool. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. But if you're role-playing it, it's fun to come up with why you would all of a sudden choose to pick that. You know what I mean? And if you talk to your DM, they can even bake in, like, if your sorcerer becomes a paladin, maybe you have a vision from your chosen deity that comes to you or something. You know, right. you can, if you tell your tell your DM what, what you're doing. That is... 100% what we're meaning like to talk to communicate really is the way to optimize because you know what you're doing now you know what's going on mm-hmm. so on this build that we're doing real quick I just leveled it up so we're going to take six in sorcerer and six in paladin so just halvesies mm-hmm. I have a question because I I meant to ask you this before we started recording but I forgot No, oh, yeah is that I keep seeing this advice that generally you don't really want to take you don't want to dip into another class until you hit level five in your main class, which is, I guess, corresponds to tier two, I guess. That's why, is that why they're saying that? Well, I think that uh, a lot of the time when it comes to multi-classing, if you're trying to, to really do it well, uh-huh. you don't want to miss out on, like, if you take one level in something else at this point in your main character, what are you skipping right now to get what? So like if I skip level six right now and I go with a level one in something else, what am I missing out at level six? Right. And what am I gaining from level one? So it's really, I think it's what it's doing is uh, choosing when to to choose another level in something else. So you're not like hindering yourself on something that could really benefit you with just one level. And a lot of times, for instance, five, you get like an ASI, those kind of things. Okay. Exactly. And a lot of optimization when it comes to min-maxing or not min-maxing, sorry, multi-classing is mm-hmm. uh, don't short yourself on ability scores. Mm-hmm. Like that can really hinder your build for optimization. d and kind of, at least modern d and It's very mm-hmm. simple. It really comes down to rolling a d20 and it corresponding to one of those six stats. That's really, everything else is kind of a modification of that, but that's really your core, the core of your character sheet. Right. That at least helps me like, okay, I'm always trying to tie it back to one of my stats. Right. Whether it's when I'm gonna pick a different class or what I'm rolling or what I'm going to use to attack and those kind of things. So now that we've got this character leveled up, the first thing it's going to ask us is for our sorcerer, like our meta magic. Oh, baby. So just based on what I know. I'm going to stop you really quick, though. Let's just explain what meta magic is, just the general broad sense. Meta magic is a something that the sorcerers have that allows, it's kind of their special thing with their magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like, honestly, let's have you explain it because you've used it more than I have, actually. Sure. Okay. Um, fun fact, meta magic used to be... Uh, if you go back to 3.5, it used to be something that all casters had. Oh, really? Yeah, they changed it. I, they might have changed it in 4th edition, I don't know. 
But by the time we get to 5th edition, that became the sorcerer's specialty, which they also became, you know, charisma based, I think. I think they used to be something else. Right. But meta magic is the way that through the game mechanics, sorcerers get to express that they can bend the rules of magic. So you might have there's a meta magic called distance spell which means you can double the range of your spell so if you have firebolt which is 60 feet i believe Mm -hmm. you can cast it now at 120 feet so suddenly you have a way broader range or you can do quicken spell where you can cast a spell that takes one action as a bonus spell bonus action spell Uh, one of my favorites that i uh, I didn't really get to dig into a silent spell mm. where you don't have to do gestures or words. Oh, yeah, that's cool. So you could be tied up and still cast Fireball, mm. for instance. It's kind of like being Neo in the Matrix. You know how to bend you know how to bend the rules to your will. Mm. And you're intuitively doing it, so you just kind of know, yeah, I just know how to send my, my Firebolt way farther, that kind of thing. So that's that's essentially it. When it allows, it uses what's called sorcery points, and it also you you're allowed to convert spell slots into sorcery points, and you can also convert sorcery points to spell slots. So it's a way of fueling your magic in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the meta magic that I just threw down here, because uh, I know these ones, is quicken spell, which you just mm-hmm. mentioned. It's a good one, and also twin spell, which allows you to cast. Oh, that one's great. Uh, a spell. And cast the same spell again at another target. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just changes it to a bonus action. But you have to do it right then. I used to use it at lower levels with Pock to do Witch Bolt. We homebrewed it because it's silly that Witch Bolt costs what it does, so it's a bonus action to mm-hmm. keep casting it. But if you hit two targets, every round you spend your bonus action, they get hit with more lightning. Yeah. It's really cool. It was it was super effective on a lot of stuff. It saved yeah. you guys. I wasn't there for that one, but it saved you on like a giant battle kind of. They were resistant, but he cast Fog Cloud, so we couldn't see. Mm-hmm. But I had cast Witch Bolt successfully. And so I just kept staying within range somehow, and it kept hitting the giant. So it was just an automatic hit. Yeah, yeah. that saved our butts. Yeah, for sure. I heard about that one. Yeah. So there's there's definitely some other things that are going to be built into your sorcerer class. Uh, we're not going to delve into it because we're really just trying to get to why this is a uh, optimization mm-hmm. uh, for this. So then we jump into the, the paladin. Now we're going to automatically level it up and we're going to choose Oath of Vengeance because Oath of Vengeance is a damage output. It is very attack heavy oriented. Uh, then that's what we're looking for in this this moment. Now, the oaths, uh, is that just one of the class features? You pick an oath? Yeah, it's the the subclass, technically. Um, And then you also, when you're a paladin, you get to choose a fighting style. Now, this could be, you could do anything. I personally either will go with great weapon fighting or blind fighting. Because blind fighting will uh, create a situation that if they're in front of you, uh, you are going to hit them. You don't miss them, really, That's from like being blind or t- if they're behind total cover or darkness. So even magical darkness, it'll still work? Well, magical darkness might actually uh, evade it, but just like standard darkness okay. or invisibility. If you're within mm-hmm. 10 feet of someone with blind feet fighting and they're invisible, you can hit them still. No problem. Nice. So it's a good one. Great weapon fighter. Great weapon fighting, just like Eric mentioned earlier, is a great one. Like that one... Yeah. That's the one we're going to roll with this one. 
because uh, when you classic yeah because when you roll a one or a two on a damage die you can uh, re-roll the die so that that can really help and it's it's gonna definitely still boost you quite a bit like you're it's you're gonna it's gonna be good it's gonna be good because you'll have a lot of protection from your like auras and there's a bunch of stuff that you'll benefit from mm-hmm. so now we're at the point where we're gonna give ourselves two ability score increases so instantly I'm gonna be like all right well first of all charisma uh, charisma yep that's going to be that. What does that bring us up to? 18? 19 on one on nice. on one of the ASIs. And then we'll just hit it 20 at the second. Mm-hmm. And we have one more point we can throw out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm looking at my stats. I have an 8 in strength, a 14 in dex, 15 in con, 10 in intelligence, and 12 in wisdom. Mm-hmm. Now if I turn con to 16, won't that make the number, my, my bonus, go up? I think it bumps your bonus by one. Yep. So then I would just add one to con. Yeah. Because I want him to be survivable tough yeah uh then it'll obviously we you know you go through and pick all of your spells that you're going to need for your paladin and your sorcerer so you're going to get quite a few spells yep so it'll be good you'll have you have quite a bit to work with and that did boost my constitution up yes so now i have a plus three in constitution and obviously i have a plus five in my charisma mm-hmm. so you would you would definitely take like a great weapon, like a great sword or a great axe, mm-hmm. because that's going to allow you to use that feature you have. And based on what we have here, looking at my spell slots, I have three in level two, three in level three, three in level four, one in level five, and four in level one. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of spell slots I can work with. I also have the seven sorcery points, so as this character were to get into melee combat they will be able to slice and dice with their great sword using divine smites and they can continually resurge some of their spell slots with sorcery points mm-hmm. to keep divine smiting right uh but if they're at range they could definitely just burn through some of their sorceress sorceress sorcery-ish source sorcery points well their sorcerer spells and just cast like cast from a distance and just rain havoc down on the battlefield it even seems like if you're especially if you're coming in from range you can be casting as you're running up and then you oh, get yeah. right in melee and you just start you finish them off oh yeah, yeah. definitely yeah, could do cool. that uh so that's i mean that's that's a very generic build for a mm-hmm. 12th level situation and again mm-hmm. like even doing this one you could easily just start up and level your sorcery your sorcerer to level six you're fine right and then as soon as you take that first level in paladin you're going to gain access to a bunch of stuff real quick For sure. and then just keep leveling up the paladin as you continue on um so it wouldn't be hard to level up mm-hmm. this character you could even go the opposite way and create paladin first and then go sorcery for sure but that's a good way there's that's a real simple show you of how to build a multi-class character that is based on charisma you could really flavor your paladin too in terms of like if your deity that you worship is like a fire god you could pick a lot of fire spells or oh yeah that'd be sick you could really lean into the rp and use the strictures of this multi-class because it's very specific Mm -hmm. to create an interesting character in a role play sense as well right that's what my goal is with this episode is to say hey it's okay to be someone who likes to optimize min max power game right you know it's a style and it's okay to have that style but when you are that style just remember that's not the only style 
Mm-hmm. You know, love the other styles that are out there and let them love what you do. Right. But the only way to do that is to talk with each other, man. And rehabilitate the idea of power gaming. Yeah. Like be a positive power gamer. So your table, those people who play with you are like, ah, that guy's cool. Mm-hmm. Like he hit really good. He was fun to play with, etc., etc. Right. And uh, I'll definitely say this as uh, not a closer because I'm, I'm just saying all of the characters that I created for my friends in this Forged campaign, these elves that they're playing, were definitely intended to be optimized characters for what they're doing but i also wanted them to be interesting that they could fill in those gaps so it's it's quite a few optimized characters in there for sure yeah what do you what do you you think eric do you have a do you have a character that you think would be fun to talk about even if we don't build it all the way out i mean you brought up one of them which was the fighter artificer Mm. because my mind goes to like especially this would be a mad but especially if you did like a dex based fighter oh and then along with an artificer, like somebody who's an invent, inventor slash adventurer kind of person, like almost like a Sherlock Holmes with uh, and Watson combined, basically. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think that'd be really fun to play. I have a Paladin Warlock down When I've played that, actually. Yeah. And it, it'd be interesting. This is a little not how Warlocks are meant to be played, but what if you did Warlock but the deity that the paladin worships is your patron. Right. Oh, I've so, you so just, thought about that. You I just love lock that. them in, right? So that seems fun. And warlocks just kind of seem like the multi-class du jour. Oh, like it is. That's a really good ad- addition class to whatever you're doing a lot mm-hmm. of the times. So seems. is fighter as well. Like taking like a few levels in fighter for anybody is gonna give you some benefit because even if you just get action surge mm-hmm. and then leave fighter alone that alone can create quite a bit for you now you will suffer like if you're like oh i'm a wizard mm-hmm. but i did take these two levels in fighter yeah so you know when you hit level 18 that's quote unquote how high you're gonna get yeah in your wizard because you took the two in fighter but your wizard can cast fireball twice in one round with no problem. All of this talk about you're only going to get to this point is assuming that you're going to stop at level 20. Right. There's no reason you have to stop at level 20. Absolutely. I think it'd be really fun, the more I think about it, start a campaign with all the characters at level 10. And your goal is to go up to level 30, but everybody is a multi-class. So mm-hmm. everybody is working on some kind of customized, optimized multi-class essentially so you could really see where hey if we really take both of these classes to the max what kind of characters do you get because it'd be really crazy it'd be super crazy and there was an idea that you have had that i thought would be fun as well is Mm -hmm. when you have a character hit level 20 Mm -hmm. just consider them now level zero again but they have all of that level 20 stuff but now the experience resets and you say okay well what class do you want to play as now you add on a class right and they get to now start leveling at zero to one with this new class and start utilizing a lot of that that type of power i think that that was a a really fun idea that'd be super fun if you could get some people to commit for like two years like Mm -hmm. hey let's really play through this it'd be fun and i think the argument against it would be okay well how are you going to challenge the players i think i figured it out today oh yeah fucking well, yeah, like, for instance, you hear about the coffee lock mm-hmm. a lot. And if you're relying on Eldritch Blast, which is force damage, make a monster that's immune 
to force damage. Right. So oh, what yeah. if your characters, you could start making custom damage types and suddenly the old stuff, like, oh, these these monsters out in space, they're immune to all the damage you're used to putting out. So right. now you have to find different ways to defeat them and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's really cool. Um, Sorcerer Warlock was on there, and then the the last one was Fighter Rogue, which I really want to play Fighter Rogue at some point. Fighter Rogue is uh, that's that's one of those ones. It's a sad, but the utility of the Fighter Rogue I think is paramount. Like it's such an amazing class that you could do so much with. Yeah, because rogues are exemplar at having. Like they have expertise, so you get double proficiency in skills, right. and you get all these kind of support, quote unquote, support type things. And then if you have the fighter's action surge where you're doing two actions per round, I mean, if you're a high level rogue and you're doing sneak attack twice, like that's fucking crazy. You could really take some people out. Right. And you definitely have to figure out a way to like let that happen to be sneak attack twice. Maybe you mm-hmm. shoot once and since it's quiet you can stab once or maybe you have a way to cast like darkness like oh, if you yeah. set it up so i think drow if you pick drow you could cast magical darkness for free yep and then you know get some other things going on so you can just rush into the magical darkness and power just stabs twice and just yeah. wreck oh yeah. man that would be wild yeah that's i think the I love the idea when you were talking about the fighter mm-hmm. doing the decks based for the mm-hmm. artificers like mm-hmm. multi-class because that's like yeah. oh that's that's super interesting because he yeah. would be not anything like what you'd imagine no it'd be a different again that's my thing is okay this is different yeah but I believe that you could optimize something like that still like you're still optimizing but yet creating something very cool well and you think of the concept of artificer I guess that's how you say it. They basically make their own magic items. That's really their their thing. So mm-hmm. you have this fighter character who's basically making his own magic weapons and like his own items and that kind of thing. Yeah, so that's yeah. a really cool idea of, oh, I need this thing to make me fight better. So I'm going to invent, you know, plus two bracers or whatever bullshit. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And there's so much fun stuff within the artificer too. Like, there's the like the eldritch cannon that they can mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. and like if you have a dex based fighter that's using like ranged mm-hmm. and he's this like total wacky like in like like you're saying like sherlock holmesy character that would be such a cool character to play yeah because you could have really high investigation for instance mm-hmm. if you're intelligence based and you could even do kind of the absent-minded professors where maybe your wisdom is your dump stat so you're not aware but you're very observant if you focus on it and those kind of things you know i love that so much it's so cool that one's fun for sure so yeah those are mine when looking at it not knowing a ton about this stuff as i was like those seem really cool and they're not all you get a lot of those color gradings where Mm -hmm. it's like this is the best and there's like five that are really like this is optimized um one thing this got me thinking about because i'm low-key building you know taking D, but building my own homebrew world that i'm gonna play but 
reworking some mechanics is it'd be interesting if you could find a way where the classes aren't initially tied to a stat you as the player building your character decide what stat something's tied to oh that was that's cool i like that my the thing that keeps bothering me is sorcerers to me feel like wisdom based characters for they sure don't seem like charisma characters they seem like it's an, an intuitive thing so what if it's like well okay i want to play a paladin but i want to play an intelligence based paladin mm. you know so totally off topic but it'd be interesting since we're talking about all this has to do with your stats kind of like the sun in your character solar system and everything right. revolves around it so why couldn't you play with that idea too uh, min max with uh, what stats classes and stuff is tied to oh absolutely and you know me like if i was running a campaign i would and someone was like hey man i have this really cool idea right i want to do this like that one idea you had with the bow character oh the war bow yeah the war bow yeah i still want to do that i loved that idea i was yeah. like that's so cool yeah like just a strength based uh ranged person it just sounds fun and strength base where they're really specialized for this one weapon, kind of like a sharpshooter, somebody mm-hmm. with a rifle. So anything else that they're not as good with, like they could use other bows, but um, it's really this one specialized weapon. And I got the idea because if you do look at history uh, back in the Middle Ages in England, all men were required, legally required to know how to shoot a bow because they were always at war with somebody. So it's kind of like Patches of America now, like everybody's expected to know how to use a firearm in certain places, right? And so when you look at how the English bow, how fucking hard that thing is to pull back, it's like that is a strength-based weapon. You have to be swole to even pull that back at all. Right. You have to to aim, but it's really primarily strength. So I'm like, what if you had a character that was like a war bow? That was, it's all about just sheer, sheer muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, that'd be cool. That's a cool one. It it lends so much to like the idea of what you could do with it. Like, and again, it's, I mean, what's the difference between making him strength based or dex based? It's for flavor. It's for fun. It's to make it something different. And if if he's like strength based, maybe he's like someone that could be super far away from the actual battles happening, Mm -hmm. but has to fit like you and your team have to figure out a way to like communicate, like almost be his spotters in a way. Right. And then all of a sudden rains down these huge bolts of doom. And maybe if also if somebody gets close this character can still handle themselves very well because they have they're very strong right maybe they're not very their constitution is low oh there you go so they're really strong but if they get hit they've got a soft jaw or something right their their constitution's super low so they get hit and they get messed up they can't wear armor as much because they need mobility to fire this strength-based weapon right you get really cool advantages but you're also weak and in certain areas and uh the more we talk about this, the more my mind is like, you know, these stats, they're just numbers, but they really suggest certain types of characters. Mm-hmm. So a strength-based character, if you think about what images come up, is much different than a wisdom-based character. Even if you're going to use, let's say we're getting really home, homebrew, even if you're going to use a wisdom-based character to make melee attacks, like the paladin uses charisma to do melee-type things. Right. A paladin has a different flavor to it than a barbarian or, or a straight-up fighter. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I think 
it's cool thinking about this because it's like, oh, I, there's all these other options I never considered that are just as cool. Right. You know? when, with you saying that, it makes me think, God, wouldn't it be like, what if you had like a, a dex based or a strength based caster? But mm-hmm. a lot of that comes from their like a dex based caster kind of makes more sense. Their ability to maneuver their hands to do certain somatic things like uh, Naruto. Like Ninpo, right? You think about all the gestures, and they they do them all fast, you know. Right. So maybe there'd be like you could create a dex-based caster. That's. I mean, it's like you're still kind of like monking it, like doing a monk. Yeah, but again, if we're reskinning, what if you did a strength-based caster who was like a tribal shaman where they're like a blood shaman, so they have to cut themselves or they have to beat themselves up to cast magic. Or stomp in the ground. Stomp in the ground. Or they have to physically hit somebody to like build up kind of ferocity. Right. You have to beat the shit out of people to build up a magic pool or something. Definitely. Yeah, I love that. I think that... Cool flavors. Again, this is all we're just going based on what the idea of optimization is on this and how there's this bad lingo or bad bad Stigma reputation yeah but we want to sure. be like hey it doesn't have to be like that there's so many ways that it could be really fun but again you gotta talk to people you gotta communicate make sure it's you know because we're not talking about rules as written baby no and optimizing isn't an excuse to be a dick no definitely not just like being a good art role player getting into your character and using the voice and mm. that's that's no excuse to lord that over other players or being a dick it's all about your table yep like what's going to work for your table i mean i even said it earlier like eric doesn't optimize in the same the same way that i look at it nope. so when eric comes to the table with these really cool characters i love that i love his approach even though in my brain I see his spells he's picked, and I'm like, oh, why would you pick that and not this? This one does more. I don't need to say that to him. That doesn't matter. Right. He made the character to be a certain thing, and that's what I'm getting to is having the openness to let other people play their way is what will make them looking at yours and be like, oh, that's really cool too. I like what you did with that. Mm-hmm. You know, take Take little inspirations from the role-playing character that's like, that really role plays hard. He may not optimize well, but he's really fun to play with. And even if Ian was like, Hey, these spells do more damage. I'd be like, thanks. (laughs) That's good to know. Thank you. Uh, One thing that I do too, is if, you know, if I'm in a situation with a character and they, maybe they were using a power and it's, it's time has expired, but everybody forgot. I'll say something. I'll be like, oh, you know what? Like, I don't get that advantage. Mm-hmm. Give me the actual disadvantage of whatever the situation is. Because I want to have my character be a real person in that world. Right. I don't just want to always win or always be successful in everything. I think a lot of that comes, too, from our experiences over the last two years with uh, gaming like this. Uh, at first we were all nervous about it, but now the more and more we've gotten into like character deaths and Mm -hmm. things going wrong, it creates so much fun to let things happen, to let them break. And I think you said it last episode, you know, destroy your world as you're playing it, like break it. Like really the, cause if you're going to use it again, it will be so much fun to have all of those effects of you breaking your world for the next players or the next company or group to come through, it'll be all broken and different. 
and it'll create so much room for being dynamic and letting the players kind of influence a little bit on how they what they do if you let your world change and get bruised and beat up and all that your players are getting a one once in a lifetime experience the world will never be like this again yeah this is this is a unique experience for this table and then if they come back it's going to be a different thing next Mm -hmm. time and it's and much more a, a cool way to bring in the real world into your campaign is like yeah that that age is gone like mm. port cities yeah they're out because now the sea is boiling or whatever oh, it yeah. is <laughs> i know we've veered but that's i feel like that's that's a good understanding of multi-classing now i do i'll give it to eric and you guys we'll put some uh, links in uh the doobly do or yeah you know we'll have uh, a way that you could kind of look at the stuff that we're kind of referencing in a sense there's a couple of really good guides, online guides oh, yeah. uh, out there. The one I found and I shared with Eric is it's been my favorite one because it's simple and it it just gives you like a rundown of like this is what this one would be like. Right. Uh, is it bad? No, it's, it's definitely a, a mad thing. Or when you get something that uses like, which is rare when if you multi-class too hard, you might get something that has three ability scores. Mm-hmm. And that's just, I mean, if you're trying to optimize, that is not going to be your best bet. But you will be crazy ut- utility. You'll be able to do things that no one else will be able to do in one character. Right. So it's still optimizing in a different way, trying to become more utility rather than more right. output. Or I remember, I don't know what episode it was from, but Pruitt, a uh, former host of WebDM, he talked about this one multi-class idea he came up with where he's like, if you take this at this level, I think it started with Rogue, and then you add some Bard or something, you can eventually be proficient in, in every skill. Oh, crazy. If you take the right things, where it's like, that's really cool if you're doing a certain type of campaign. Oh, yeah, that'd be super fun. You're that asshole who just knows... Everything. Really persuasive, really acrobatic, knows history, like fuck that guy but yeah. that'd be super fun to play you know yeah i love that and again a lot of these optimizations a lot of these type of things are they're really geared towards starting at a certain level mm-hmm. unfortunately building them up to a lot of these can be rough but it is fun it is fun also it's it's a good motivation to be like hey let's do some one shots Mm. for to like get experience in multi-classing and optimization to try some things out where it's like oh i want to do this wow that sucks i'm glad it was only one session two sessions okay i don't have to do i'm not married to it for the next year and a half for sure you know so it's a good it's a good excuse to play some smaller games to if you want to try higher level stuff out and again all this is assuming you're going to cap at level 20. 20, which is raw, rules is written, but cap at level 30 and do like a level 25 try multi-class and see what happens. Right. And if I think that a lot of people get nervous too about going above level 20 because of how much experience you need to go beyond that, mm-hmm. well, then change it, man. 
just lower it. And you can also change the rate you gain experience. It's in yeah. the DMG. You can look to fourth edition for uh, inspiration because they go all the way to level 30. Yeah. So you could change the requirements for how much XP you need for each level. For yeah, instance. yeah. Especially when you get higher, if you want it to be faster. Yeah. What we're trying to say is multi-classing optimization. Op- awesome. It's fun stuff. Mm-hmm doesn't it's not the only way it's just a way and i like it um we didn't delve too much into the single into like single class optimization because i feel like that's i mean maybe we'll cover it on another time but a lot of that has to do with just researching feats and that's the main thing just making sure you're highlighting what your character does in that single zone and again it's it's baked in to the game that's how the game expects you're going to play it because D&D is geared towards heroic fantasy. Mm-hmm. Not that you have to play it that way, but that's what it's geared towards. And, you know, you might be at a table where the DM doesn't allow feats, for instance. So you're going to have to think about different ways to optimize because it is technically an optional rule in 5e, for instance. Right. Again, it's all about the table. The table. The table. The table. Well, I don't know about you, but I I don't really have anything else to say. Oh, I think that's a good place to stop. There's some good good building. Well, I, I liked it. Oh. And if you guys liked it, like it, share it, subscribe to it. Yes, please. Put a ring on to, it. Forgot to say it at the beginning. We'll just say it randomly whenever we feel like it. Do you have anything else to say, Ian? Uh, if you enjoy it, let us know. Just tell us. If you don't want to like, subscribe, and share, then just say, hey, I like it. Let us know you're listening. That yeah. that makes us feel good. Yeah. Even if you're like, oh, man, I've only listened to three episodes. Cool, dude. Oh, I've only listened to one. Hey, man, thanks. Great. Thanks. Love it. We appreciate tell, it. Tell yeah. us what you think. Did you hate it? That sucks. Did you love it? That's awesome. Did you like it and you have suggestions? Ooh. We want to hear it. Hear it. Please. You want us to talk about a topic? lay it on us do you want us to do more uh, real play actual play that's the word actual play is a good one actual yeah. play then tell us we yeah. we have fun we like doing all of it and we have some cool different episodes coming up yep so so there'll be some fun fun stuff coming up and let us know what you think and hopefully we get one of the uh, the guests to come on soon yeah it's it's a uh, new year yeah. time to start bringing them on so um, one thing too that has changed that we didn't talk about is we're now the episodes are much more current in terms of we record this and then it's going to come out the next week that's true so we can react to things much quicker than the early episodes where we were very confused very confused yeah if you have questions just know that we'll answer it within the next two episodes now because mm-hmm. we're there we're there baby so with that laid on us you know what i want you to do people just stay sweaty staying sweaty staying staying stay sweaty oh hey 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 listeners you've made it to the end give yourself a prize maybe a little cupcake or some coffee or hot chocolate you know um this is the credits 
and uh, we have links to all the things so check down below and you'll see things to the link tree and the link tree links to the other links and there's links to be had also Jerry did our music it's super badass if you want to check out all his stuff uh, we have a link to that too it's on SoundCloud so remember to roll high and take a point of inspiration like subscribe